and welcome back to another edition of YCT Matters. This is Carol Platt-Lebow, the president of Yankee Institute, and today we're joined by Faith Ham. Faith is one of the all-around knowledgeable people in our state. She's the member of a Connecticut school board, even though she's speaking here today in her personal capacity rather than her official one. And not only that, she is the operations manager for the Charter Oak Leadership Program, which is a wonderful leadership program in our state, grounded in America's founding principles and free market capitalism. So Faith, welcome. We're delighted you're with us. Thanks, Carol, for having me. Well, of course. And we were so eager to get your on-the-ground expertise about some of these uh, bills dealing with schools and educator-parent relationships and everything else. So I thought we should just jump right into it because I know you've got some really interesting insights. Should we just kick it off with maybe Bill 6192? And that's the one that is designed supposedly to, quote unquote, protect public school teachers from FOIA requests pertaining to communications with students regarding sensitive subjects such as sexual orientation, gender identity, and race that take place during school-sponsored activities. And so my, you know, my question for you, Faith, is, um, you know, sitting on a school board, this HB 6192, um, how do you think it came about that there was this perceived need to protect public school board? Uh, I mean, public school teachers from, you know, being able to have these conversations with their students without parents or anyone else being able to find out about it. Boy, I wish I knew that answer because life would be so much easier for parents, for teachers, for administrators. Um, it, just, um, you know, that bill and others that we're seeing that are coming up and the, as you point as you and I have both pointed out or noted together, um, they may never see the light of day or they never may become law. Um, but it scares me to think that that they are being proposed and we will touch on a lot of them. Um, I'm you again, you and I have spoken about this. There is a serious, serious mistrust right now, um, especially at the local level between administrators and boards and teachers and families. And it breaks my heart. You know, I, I grew up, I was educated in Connecticut schools. Uh, my dad was on the school board. My grandfather was on the state board of education. Um, we did not go to school way back in the dark ages in this atmosphere. Um, Who's to blame? I don't know. Rebecca Friedrichs, um, who has been a big part mm -hmm. of, of the Janus world, you know, for the benefit of our, our listeners, and, um, you know, who has tried to make sure people are aware of their rights to leave a union and everything, has said sometimes she feels as though the unions um, try and prove their relevance by by sort of creating this gap um, between parents and uh, administrators and teachers, you know, just to show, oh, you need us to protect you. I don't know if that's the case. That's one theory, but we are where we are. And, yeah. you know, in the wake of all of this um, situation going on with children, uh, you know, this this 
concern about CRT and DEI and all these acronyms that you're aware of. I guess mm-hmm. that this came from the legislature as a way to, quote unquote, protect teachers who speak to children in ways their parents might not agree with. Yes. And and that's clearly what it's it's getting at. I mean, um, why else put up a bill like this? Right. But, you know, um, so in terms of the distrust, I, I just sat on a, you know, attended a legislative breakfast yesterday um, and it was it, it, I, the amount it's almost like an undercurrent of anger that that teachers and administrators uh well as board members um and administrators former teachers were there because they're on boards but um it, it's an undercurrent of anger and we're in um and i feel it too in the in the parent community and i you know who's stoking it i'm going to i frankly i think the legislature has got it kind of pull back a little bit. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, again, I've said to you, teachers and administrators and and um, parents, there's a level of distrust among them that I've never um, experienced, at least when I grew up here. And when you have that, you get mayhem eventually. You really do. You, you know, we've had um, in my district, some contentious meetings. We're not seeing what we're seeing in Virginia or in Florida, but um, that, it, and I'm not even saying they're possible here, but I almost get the sense that like Wormwood is is at work here. You know, they want to almost foment because or you create these divides because in that in that void they'll step in and they'll start telling us to do things one way or another. And we're seeing this in a number of pieces of legislation, um, and and from that you're just going to get an ever more powerful paternalistic and authoritarian 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 state is what you're saying. And it's a shame because we all know that the more that can be handled locally, the smaller the unit of government, the bigger every citizen's voice is. You know, you have a bigger voice in your local community than you do before your state government and a bigger voice before your state government than you do before the federal government. And And so the the more power that can be pressed downward, the better it is for all of us. So it's unfortunate this is going on. Yeah, exactly. The reverse hierarchy of of governance. Start local, move your way up. Um, And then by the time you get to the federal government, even the state government, their job is to protect our rights, first and foremost. Talk to me about this this FOIA situation. So this this bill seems to be put forward with a sort of underlying assumption that teachers need to be protected from overintrusive parents who are going to come after them for saying unapproved things to their children. Um, do you, have you found that there is a problem with this? I have talked to parents who are extremely concerned and will ask for all levels of information on um, on lesson plans, on assignments, uh, anything going on in the classroom. Um, and in fact, yesterday I heard a request, I think it went into Trumbull. It, it just blew my mind um, what this parent or parents group asked for. And it was a FOIA request. Um, I think the administration would almost have to shut down to comply with this FOIA request. It was it was truly astounding. Um, everything. I, I mean, they might as well have asked for the hall pass. So, um, so just in its breadth and scope, yes. it was 
just overwhelming. It was overwhelming. And they wanted to do it for a hundred bucks. That's all they wanted to be charged. They were only willing to pay a hundred dollars because FOIA requests do come with um, a request to limit the amount that the asking party is liable for. And um, I just, I, I had two thoughts. First of all, this is ridiculous and an abuse of the FOIA laws. And as we said earlier, I'm a former reporter, uh, schooled in the 80s. FOIA is essential to a reporter's job. It is, it's, it's essential to the public, but the public, like everything, can abuse it. Um, and it's unfortunate that to me was an abuse. On the flip side, they're asking these questions for a reason. And this is where I also get frustrated. I get the sense, especially with legislators, but it does filter down to the local level that concerned parents, if you're not concerned about the right things, like if you're concerned about what's going on in the classroom, you're to be dismissed. If you have concerns about DEI, if you have concerns about transgender um, policy within a school, you raise that question, you're labeled a rightist, an alt-rightist, a far-rightist. There is a really palpable concern out there and administrations, I wish, would would be respectful. Yeah, respectful and not dismiss it. And then at the end of the day, and I'm sure this has been done in in the district where they got this FOIA request, um, I, I just couldn't help but think I would get that parent in there and whatever it took, sit down and talk and say, look, I'll show you whatever it takes to persuade you that we're not on a crusade. Right. You don't have an agenda necessarily. Yes. But it seems to me, Faith, what I hear you saying is we've got this two pronged problem. We have mistrust on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have mistrust on the parent side. Because, I mean, we have seen and, you know, if if people don't believe it, obviously, you just turn on libs of TikTok and there it is. Mm-hmm. And you see, you know, you see. Uh, teachers admitting that, you know, they're going to sneak it in whether or not it's allowed. Um, and and so, you know, you understand why people do have this mistrust on the one hand, and it's then exacerbated when they're treated disrespectfully when they come asking for the information. Right. And then I also, you know, what's interesting and w- what I hadn't heard before, and, and, and since you do have an unparalleled commitment um, to you know, American founding principles and and everything like that. When you say a FOIA process is being abused, I really take that seriously. And so, you know, we do want the schools free to be able to actually tend to the business of educating our children, not tending to FOIA requests. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, you, you see how this problem, you know, how then schools can start if parents are being objectively unreasonable, how schools can legitimately start seeing them as a problem, putting up barriers and and you end up in a vicious cycle. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I I'm trying, you know, it's hard to see how we get ourselves out of this um, when you have parents of all different viewpoints, all wanting their children to be educated in some in some sense. um asking schools to do more than they've ever been asked to do before. And, you know, how do we come to a, a an accommodation on this unless we all just agree that it really isn't the school's place to replace parents and start imparting these sorts of social 
indoctrination values. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it seems to me, I don't really understand why schools are spending so much time and so much energy trying to teach children about transgenderism when our math and reading scores are falling so catastrophically. Right. Um, And it seems to me that's the one solution everyone could agree on. Yeah. If we all just said, you know, how about we stop trying the social engineering in school until we raise test scores by this much metric? Once we raise the test scores and we get everybody here or there or somewhere else or, you know, now I understand it's more difficult in things like history because part of the question is what kind of history is going to be taught or what content is going to be taught. Um, But that brings us to another thing, you know, uh, HB 5271 faith. Now they have this this bill that is um, supposed to be teaching grades three through 12 about the role humans have played in accelerating climate change and equipping all students with the tools necessary to be part of a green economy. I mean, this doesn't sound to me. I, you know, like here's an act to close the opportunity gap. And I'm reading it, the summary, further environmental justice, which is conveniently undefined, and protect the environment by educating all children in grades three to 12 about the roles humans have played in accelerating climate change and equipping all students with the tools necessary to be part of a green economy. Mm-hmm. I mean, what nonsense, right? I mean, it, I'm not sure it's even been established that anthrop- there there is anthropogenic climate change. Um, that is not, you know, it is the kind of thing, quote unquote, everyone knows the same way everybody knew at the beginning of the pandemic that masks worked, that the vaccine was going to prevent transmission and everything else. And um And, you know, I think part of the scientific method is making sure you are not sort of um, assuming your conclusion. Yeah. And this sounds like indoctrination, not science. Uh, Richard Feynman is a was a Nobel Prize winning physicist from the 1960s. And he's, he's since died, but he is credited with saying, I would rather there be questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. And we are living in that era. Um, you, if you look at there are not any one of the disciplines, um, social studies, math, science, um, biology, chemistry, they have professional societies or, you know, uh, associations and go to their websites and they are all advocating and these are the guys who developed the the content for textbooks and all they are shifting their perspective not to necessarily to the imparting of knowledge but to an activist um, yes an activist curriculum um and that's teaching children to do politics not scientific inquiry yeah and you know i I guess I I wish I'd gone to college at 26 because I finally started to get it. You know, how many kids 
truly understand what they're advocating for. A, a third grader is not going to know. He doesn't have the cognitive ability to understand how weather works. I mean, you learn the weather cycle maybe in second grade. And by third grade, you're being told man caused this. It doesn't. Right. I, I mean, it's it's terrible. And you have these children, right? Um, I, I think one of the leaders now on the Democratic side of the House of Representatives said her son um, couldn't sleep because he was so upset right. about climate change. I mean, this is nonsense. This is not the sort of thing um, that that, you know, should be sort of laid on children unless there is irrefutable scientific proof. And and what never seems to be explained to children is we have faced all kinds of challenges before. And the the, the way out of them is through technology through technological development. Right. And it seems to me that we're making the Maltusian error. You know how Thomas Maltus uh, tried to say that the earth was going to be overpopulated, that there wasn't going to be enough food to feed everyone. Mm -hmm. Well, now food is more abundant than ever before, because obviously, people learn how to do things more efficiently. And, you know, the way out isn't through trying to reduce everyone's standard of living, frightening all the children that the end is nigh. It is through educating people responsibly, allowing scientific inquiry, inviting in a variety of points of view, and not teaching things as though, you know, this is being treated as though it's a 21st century religion. Mm -hmm. We don't allow Christianity in the schools. We don't allow, you know, uh, any other kind of theological religion. What this is, is a secular religion that is being imparted as in a way that that really a religion is where it may not be questioned and it certainly may not be treated with anything other than reverence. Yeah. And, you know, to the question of climate change, and we can also take this to history, but, you know, I'm looking outside it, we're not having a winter. We're having a Carolina winter. Um, you know, is the climate changing? Of course it is. We all acknowledge the climate changes. And I think- And it always has. It always has. And I think we do teach that to children. We absolutely must. Um, but to ascribe one factor or one agent over another and say, here's your answer. And by the way, you're to blame and your mom and your dad and your grandfather and your grandmother and all the way that. And you must therefore change your entire standard of living. You must go back to living as though you were in the 14th century. You know, um, that's nonsense. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I do, you know, I, I, um, it, it is nonsense. And what is nonsense is telling, um, you know, tell going into the history class and saying that, um, you know, this country was founded in 1619. Um, it has been refuted. Right. It has been refuted over and over again by very, very liberal historians who are saying, no, 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 this is wrong and it's it's dangerous and it's all it it, it advances nobody. Um, well, what it is is it's Marxism by other means, um, yeah. and it's designed. To it's designed to do what Marxism was, you know, created to do, except in America, because we have always traditionally had social mobility. 
um, although that seems to be a, a little bit of a challenge at the moment, um, you know, it was very difficult to meet the Marxist goal of creating a, a class conflict. Yeah. You know, because we we really always saw ourselves as a relatively classless society. And so because it was impossible to foment internal division um, based on class, uh, I think the the agenda became, in a sense, to foment it based on race. And that's what a lot of this new historical project is is bent on doing, is to turn people against one another based on the color of their skin, based on historical events that none of us can change and that all of us um, really, with the exception of a few really awful outliers, have been committed to remediating for decades and, in a sense, for centuries. I mean, when you look at the price paid by soldiers from the North and their families, um, it's very hard to say that there has not been a substantial chunk of this country willing to sacrifice substantially to start redressing the racial inequities that are so discussed today. Yeah. And and Carol, you know, I think what we're dealing with, we have lost sight of what education and Western civilization uh, focused education is all about. And and you can just, you know, people can jump all over me saying, oh yeah, there you go with the Western Civ. You know what? Um, I don't know of any um, canon culture that has done more with a lot of stumbling to advanced the human race, advance the human race than Western civilization, because it is a, it's, it is a civilization, civilization based on inquiry. Um, and it's a civilization based on, on the pursuit of the truth. And there is objective truth and we're in constant search of it. There's no, my truth and you truth, your truth. It's, it's, um, I think, uh, where we do a disservice to everybody is to bring in this notion of a subjective truth. But, you know, education in this country, first and foremost, is a compact or a covenant. It's almost a covenant. I mean, it is that powerful between the citizens of a community and its children. And we're supposed to impart our knowledge and our wisdom to the next generation to sustain the community and the nation. That's that's the goal. And, you know, that is the reason why, you know, yeah, Jefferson and, and and Adams were friends, but they were political opposites, but they could agree on the need for the right to, it's a civil right, to an educated citizenry. That was the only way we're going to survive as a unified nation. We were 13 disparate colonies. Um, there has to be universal knowledge um, of where we came from and where we're going faith we are going to have you back for another week because we have two more bad bills to discuss <laughs> um and so before i hear more about your subjective truth and lived experience all i would point out also i was teasing you part of an education was to prepare people for the responsibilities of citizenship that's what liberal arts is if you are not educated you are not equipped to responsibly discharge the, the duties of citizenship. You are not able to distinguish between the arguments of a demagogue mm -hmm. and some those of a responsible leader who will keep you and your children and your you know posterity safe and free. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, an ignorant population um, really 
really won't long remain free, nor does it deserve to. Right. It will end up electing tyrants and people who promise everything to everyone. And uh, and in the end, that is not a system that can be sustained without tyranny. Right. On that uplifting note, I w- we will we will wind up this edition of YCT Matters, and we will be back. Faith, if you will agree to join us for for one more uh, edition of our podcast, because we have so much more to discuss. Would you do that? I will do that. We're grateful. This is Faith Ham, a member of a Connecticut school board speaking in her private capacity and the operations director of the uh, Charter Oak Leadership uh, Program. And uh, we are grateful to you, Faith, for sharing your insights about your experience as a school board member, what you're seeing in the schools, and some of these bills that are being proposed uh, to remedy or in some cases exacerbate the situation Connecticut's education system is confronting. Faith, thank you so much for joining us on this edition, and we look forward to speaking with you on the next edition of YCT Matters. This is Carol Platt-Lebow, president of Yankee Institute. Thank you for joining us for this edition of YCT Matters. I'll show you around this place I call home.